Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bull, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And with me tonight is the Chief Inspector, Brenda McAlinden. Uh The Commissioner is out commissioning uh, something or other. Uh, <laughs> so we will do our best without our logical voice of uh, reason uh, on the show. Brendan, how are you doing tonight, bud? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, the weather is warm, driving around with the windows down, short sleeves. I mean, it's almost as hot as Cormac Ryan out there. Uh, almost. You mean Scormac Ryan? Scormac Ryan, yeah. yeah. Almost. Or, is. Almost. Is. Or the ultimate combo, Scormac Fryan. Oh, because, yeah, I like that one. Uh, I, like the, I like that one. That was pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been a good couple of days uh, for Notre Dame fans. And I got to say, I mean, most, pe- most people outside of the Notre Dame bubble expected Notre Dame to lose Rutgers. The same thing can be said about the Alabama game. And it's nice to have some postseason uh, victories on the belt and, uh, and a middle and, you know, a middle finger to the odds, uh, if you will. Do you know they don't count the play-in game as a win? The official records, which is bullshit, right? I think that's why Bray was so adamant about what date it was <laughs> when they when they won the uh, the game against Rutgers because he's like that that counts that counts it's March seventeenth. Uh, I mean, unless he was just solely focused on St. Patrick's Day and his next glass of whiskey, uh, I did not know that that they that that does not count 
for the postseason. Uh, yeah, I, I do not believe that that counts as an NCAA tournament win. Or, and I don't think that it counts as a win for your season either. That then it shouldn't be allowed. Then the, then they need to take. If that's not counted, then they should just take it away. Go back to just the field of sixty-four. Which I actually, I mean, I like the play-ins. I, I kind of like that's the a fun little, It's a fun app, and you know, a fun little add-on. The last couple of years, they've been pretty good, and you've had to. I mean, um, UCLA last year, right? Uh, they made right. a run, yep. and um, Mike Bray keeps pointing that out. Uh, wasn't uh, Loyola? They were a they were an eleven seed in the playing game too, right? Was Loyola playing game? Loyola? I wasn't sure if they were or not. I th- I thought so. I think that there were two teams that uh, that made it to the final four, or was it? Um, was it? But no, it was Butler. It was Butler was a uh, okay. uh, was a final four. So there's been two teams from the eleven seed playing that have uh, made final four runs. Well, I mean, regardless of what the NCAA does, and I think we're going to find that as a theme uh, throughout maybe this podcast and just life in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game counted for – I mean, people – Charles Barkley still out there saying that was the best game of the tournament still. And it was. That game was against Rutgers was fucking incredible. Yes, like, I, like that was a coin flip until the very end. I mean, until, <laughs> until it went zeros and double OT – with Notre Dame up, you had no idea who was going to win that game. That was, it was insane. Absolutely insane. And the way Notre Dame did that, instead of, instead of doing their tip, you know, you know, shoot, shoot to die three point. I mean, they just kept feeding inside and it wasn't, I mean, Atkinson, yeah, had the 26 points, but we had 52 points in the paint against the yeah. big 10 team that a good defensive big 10 team that so had some, they had on. a presence inside. Yeah. It was, it was a great it was, win. It was it was the most un, and I don't think this is hyperbole. It was the most un Mike Bray victory in the Mike yes. Bray era that I, I can remember. I mean, that I can the remember. The fact they didn't blow sure. the game like at the end there. Um, that not only was it to get the game to overtime in the paint, and the eventual game winner is a game in the paint. I mean that that's wild it was, to me. It was just how did how does Notre Dame win that game? That you know, they only made what six three point shots. Yeah. They they were out rebounded by like 13, 14 rebounds. Uh, they were seven of what 14, seven of 15 from the free throw line. Like they couldn't make a free throw shot. To, if they would have, if they would have, and they didn't even get that. 76, many. They, they were 76 to 80% from the line. They don't even go to the first overtime. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it was, I mean, it really was an incredible win. And then, uh, I mean, and that win makes the win against Alabama even sweeter because of the adversity of, you know, getting getting to San Diego, getting to the hotel at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, you know, you just quick fly it out. Now you got to take on this Alabama team that was supposed to have been more athletic uh, and a really good shooting team. And you, you took it to them. Cormac, you know, and instead of Atkinson, Cormac Ryan steps up. And I think – the the strength of Notre Dame's team, yeah, it sucks that they don't have this deep bench that they can go to, but the guy, the six seven guys that they're using, well, it just takes one of them to like just step yeah. up completely. Cormac Ryan and did that tonight. Blake Wesley turned it on there. I know, mean, Blake five, Wesley you know. in the second half was electric, yeah. but he's the con, he's the consistent thing between the two games as well. Is like both games he just showed up. 
and his yeah. ability to dribble drive penetrate is is something that I think Mike Bray's lacked in recent years. Um, and why they were able to get points in the paint, right? Yeah, and Cormac Ryan deserves a lot more credit for that Rutgers win too. Uh, with that, I mean, they were an absolute foul territory. Had to foul, gets that steal, gets the bucket. I mean, that Cormac Ryan has been. This is he. It is Cormac Ryan because he is absolutely on fire right now. Uh, I cannot wait. I mean, I cannot wait for the Texas Tech matchup. Um, I'm I'm pumping my brakes on. I uh, I wish to to hold on to this high <laughs> for as long as I can for that Texas well, that's Tech what game. I mean, you got to strike while the fire is hot, is what I'm saying, Brad. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and that's strike one of the, the things I do like about um, the quick turnaround on tournaments and why teams can make runs. Yeah. Um, is because you don't got time to breathe or come down to earth. I mean, shooters can keep a, a hot hand, especially, and that's why a lot of teams that make it to the Sweet 16 they end up flaming out in the Sweet 16 a lot of Cinderellas because yeah, you know, that, that quick turnaround really is is advantageous to the to the upstarts. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And that's speaking of coming down to earth, the you know what the worst part of this entire tournament has been? The absolute worst part of this entire tournament has been. Uh the fact that Michigan was able to come back and from fifteen down and, and win by double digits. Do you know what the second worst part of this tournament <laughs> has been? Um the second worst part was that St. Pete's beat Kentucky. And when they go to the uh, CBS studio and Rex Chapman and all those guys, they treated it like a bus full of school children just went off a cliff and died. They fucking they were about in they're about crying in that fucking studio. This is the part that makes everybody tune in. You did you but did you see the the the, the clips was, package they put together for like the commercials for the tournament and like I don't know thirty percent of the clip package is Calipari. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just treated it like somebody died. I've kept waiting for them to like talk about St. Peter's with some excitement and nothing like this is what people tune in for. We, we don't get the, the, we want the Cinderella want the upset. Yeah. Everybody does. That's the, since I was a kid, that's what you, I mean, that's what's so exciting about the tournament is the upsets. Everybody and, remembers dunk city, right? You know, right. You know, and I, rem- I, look, I have Arizona picked to win the championship this year. The last time I did that, they were a two seed in Santa Clara with Steve yeah. Nash, fifteen seed in the first round, yeah. and it's like that is in my brain forever. And so I'm just like, so here we go with another. Well, I mean, it wasn't Arizona this time around, but this is these are huge. The the sixteen one with Virginia lost. I mean, that's just that that is what the tournament is built for. Now you'll have years where it's like a lot of chalk, you know, and a few minor upsets. But when you get these are the big upsets, this is what makes everyone. This is what you how you call it March Madness. This is why it's the best sporting event in the world. Period. I mean, it really is. You know, and I, you and I are both football first guys. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I don't it's take days opinion. off work for uh, football whole season. Though I, sh- I should. <laughs> um, I guess I kind of do because I take it off for the the holiday season for bowl season. But no, What's it is crazy. It is, I take work off to work. <laughs> <laughs> it is the best. Uh, it is the best spectacle, especially the first two days of the tur- the first week. Yeah, end, thir- Thursday through Sunday days. is just in- yeah. is insane. I, I, it definitely wavers for me uh, second weekend and then onwards. And really, by the time we get to the final four, I I, I most years could care less. But the yeah. first 
<laughs> I mean, if we're going to be honest, by the time it gets to the final four, it's a bunch of unlikable coaches <laughs> most years. Right. But right. I just, and it, the games are always going to overtime. There's always buzzer beaters. Uh, the, it, there is, there is always excitement with these games and it's around the clock. Like there's four channels oftentimes that you have to right. choose from. So if there's, the game stinks, you can flip it. There's all these players. Even if you follow college basketball, there's all these players that kind of rise up that you haven't heard about or didn't know much about at all that become all of a sudden like superstars for the weekend. You know, it's I mean, just like, it's, it's, it's just a, it, it is the best sporting event for all 17 uh, Alabama basketball fans out there. I mean, they're going to remember the name I mean, Cormac Ryan forever. Well, I can tell you the 18th uh, Alabama basketball fan, Avery Johnson, who was fired by the <laughs> university. Jeez. I mean, people are worried that, about Brady Quinn being in the booth. What the fuck is Avery Johnson doing calling an Alabama basketball game? Oh my God. At the, at the end of the game, uh, he was, what, what was he saying? He was like, you got to give Notre Dame credit. And it's like, what are you talking about? You have to give Notre Dame credit. They're winning by 14 points. And you're trying to frame this as give Notre Dame credit that they had a long rest. What, what right. are you doing, Avery? They, they just smoked Alabama down the stretch. Dude, that, that was, uh, that was bad. Officiating was bad and it was bad. You know, that's been a theme too. I thought in the Rutgers game, I thought the officiating was atrocious for uh, against both schools. Like I just thought it was just bad all the way around. I don't think it was much better in Notre Dame Alabama game at all. So that's got you fired up. But then to hear Avery Johnson, just like no more, no, <clears throat> no more games with Avery Johnson, please just keep it away. Ugh. When, when Cormac had the ball at the end there, I wanted so badly in my heart of hearts. I knew he wasn't going to do it, but I wanted him to jack a three. So Notre Dame could have won by 17. So I could have tweeted out is a 17 point win a blowout. <laughs> uh, I was, I was actually watching Ryan and I was wondering. I wanted him to get 30. Well, and I wanted he Notre was, Dame to, he was to pretty pumped and for good reason. And yeah. I was almost like, is he going to walk up? Is he going to walk up to the wrong guy? hooting and hollering and that guy's just going to be like just for Bama just fucking fed up and take a swing or something because he was getting pretty animated about what was happening there uh <laughs> that's I'm not saying he shouldn't have I'm just saying I was sitting there kind of waiting like is this going to piss off a guy enough to to take <laughs> to take a swing <laughs> but no you know Ryan has scored uh was it seven threes it's the most by an ACC player ever in a tournament game Think about that for a minute. I mean, think about think about think, think about, about the all ACC. the Duke shooters, right? All the shooters that Duke's Duke, rolled North through. Carolina, uh, yeah. even Maryland back in the day when Maryland was an ACC school. I mean, it's just there's, there's there's a lot of shooters in that uh, in that conference, and now Cormac Ryan is at the top of that most threes in, an, in a tournament game. So hmm. moving on to Texas Tech, maybe, I would have thought maybe uh, Ted Cruz would have had the record, right? <laughs> played for Duke. Uh, you know, the only thing I – every time I say Texas Tech, the only image that comes to my mind is, is still Bobby Knight. For Texas Tech? Yeah. I do. It's just that's the first image that comes to my mind when I think Texas Tech basketball. Bobby Knight. Yeah, well, I guess when you when you put the caveat of basketball – when you say Texas Tech, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, – Mike Leach. Uh, well, <laughs> Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree, yeah, down the sidelines against yeah, Texas. Against Texas, yeah. But um, – uh, 
Yeah, Bobby Knight, which is funny because, I mean, he's he's an Indiana legend who is uh, exiled. He had to uh, take the black, uh, if you will, and go to Texas Tech. Right. <laughs> uh, he's still taking the black. He's him and uh, him and Katie are hanging out like they like their besties or they're or they're plotting the next generation of uh, grumpy old men uh, movie franchise. You know what I mean? Gee, Katie's still alive. I guess I I, I just saw. Is he just of, a uh, human? Is he just a human <laughs> liver spot? <laughs> he was that in 1989. I remember him looking like just the oldest man ever, which is covered in liver spots. When I was like eight, <laughs> I know I was talking to a Purdue fan this morning, and and we're you know just kind of shooting the shit about the tournament and. uh and I said, yeah, I said, you know, I said, I got, I got the Purdue in the finals against Arizona. And he kind of, he gave me this look and it is such a Purdue thing. Like, that's a huge compliment. Like for me to say, Hey, I got you guys in the finals. And he just gave me this look and it's such a Purdue thing. Like, yeah, I wouldn't bet, you know, just like total non-confidence. Like Purdue fans are just a funny bunch in general, but just like, and then for him to say, like, we just don't do good in the tournament. And that was pretty much all the conversation really was, but I just was kind of chuckling. Like that's a good team that they have. And this guy there has no confidence that, <laughs> that they're going to make anything of it. Uh, no, their, their confidence was spent in the 17 years that Brian Cardinal uh, laced up the elbow pads. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, moving on tonight, got to get to, uh, let's, Hey, let's get to some reviews. Brandon, what do you think about that? I got, we got I some got reviews. A review I got a review. What, what kind? Are we we getting those Jeremiah Wusukomoa earned five stars? Uh, it's actually uh, a little more special than that. That's not, not more special. It's a different version. So here we oh. go. Uh, this one from Andrew Lammers. Jeff Samarja earned fourth and fifth star. Like he took the progression. Oh. Took the yeah. Progression. Uh, it says, uh, fairly new to the pod, but I knew I was home as soon as Jude said biathlon is the top winter Olympic sport because it is. Also, I'm fairly new to Ann Arbor and things between Michigan and ND are complicated. Grew up in the bend, bleeding blue and gold, but have a master's from Michigan. One kid is a student athlete at ND, while another was born in Ann Arbor. My brother is an Irish grad, but both my father-in-law and mother-in-law are U of M alumni club lifetime members. Anyhow... Could you guys talk about why you hate Michigan so much? I think that would be fun. Uh, A cubed Andy from Ann Arbor. <laughs> I don't think you'll find any problem with us talking shit about Michigan. No, no. That's uh, a hell of a spot to be in. And he's and he's in your neck of the woods now. Yeah, and I lived in the I lived in those neck of the woods uh, going to Eastern. So I know exactly what he's talking about. It is a uh, it is a weird place to be for an Notre Dame fan. Um, yeah, you, I get, I get expletives and, uh, looks on the red. <laughs> um, my wife does too. It's, 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 it's something else, uh, living. I mean, I've, I've been an Ann Arbor resident basically most of my life other than, uh, uh, you know, sojourn to Mount Pleasant for a spill, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and, uh, Michigan fans are the worst and, uh, their fans can, can round in hell with, uh, <laughs> Well, he said in-laws were were the alumni members, right? So in-laws, in-laws suck, right? 
Yeah. I mean, te- I'm technically my dad is a uh, uh, U of M alumni. He got his uh, PhD at Michigan. So then that's what, cause that's why we're in Ann Arbor or we're in Ann Arbor. <laughs> so technically, um, but yeah, they, uh, the love lost there for any no. of us. No, it's a, yeah, that's a, it's a funky place. Um, and there, there really is no common ground because I, I've never felt that as much as I hate Michigan state, like I've never felt like one ever, like the, like the side camaraderie of like jabbing a Michigan state fan with a, with a Michigan fan. Like I, like I have with an Ohio state fan against Michigan. You know what I mean? I felt that camaraderie with Michigan fans because we both love enjoying, um, you know, a fine glass of Michigan tears after they lose. <laughs> yeah. With Michigan state fans. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with a Michigan but, state fan, but never with a Michigan fan. No, no never, ever, never, never. No. They, they deserve to drink their own tears. Uh, Whatever. Fuck them. Fuck them. (laughs) Should have lost. Should have lost. And I was all I was all set. Someone had challenged me to. uh, To pose uh, as the sassy Ram. Home field sassy Ram. uh, If if Colorado State won and I was going to in that shirt and I was going to take it and hand it out. Ready to go. Lost the opportunity. We'll get to that in a, minute. <laughs> a little bit, but uh, yeah, lost out on that opportunity. Oh, well, thank you very much for that uh, that review. Again, everybody, get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. I think Apple Podcasts is is updating us again. <laughs> uh, I was very curious why our numbers were so low uh, for about a week, and then I was like, oh, we're not on Apple Podcasts for some reason. We're not updating, so. Everything seems seems to be back to normal. Uh, get on over there, leave a rating, leave a review. Any review that you leave, we will read on the next OFT podcast. Ugh. Did anything important happen uh, with the football team in the last uh, last two days here? Notre Dame started spring practice. Oh, well, that's full exciting. stop. Full stop. Moving on. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> We at least have to have some sort of gentlemanly conversation about it, right? We will have a gentlemanly conversation. And I want to make sure that at least the people that listen to this podcast, uh, the readers of One Foot Down and, and the and the listeners of the One Foot Down podcast, you really understand where I'm coming from with this spring noise. Like, and this year is like even more special because I just don't think there's going to be a whole lot of anything that we're going to get other than these press conferences which have really turned into the same question rewrapped uh, and repackaged over and over again. It's, it's, it's bad. There's, it's just bad. So my whole take this this spring season is to, is to cover spring football in a, in a more civilized manner Mm. than in the past. I'm going to give you, we're, you're going to get the, uh, you're gonna get like the old, um, like the old, uh, what was it, uh, Gillette Gel, Charles Barkley. Yeah, you're you're going to have you're going to have strong time enough for a man, to, but civilized or whatever yeah, it was. You're, you're going to have time. You're going to be able to to know what's happening and still have time to drive to your favorite steakhouse and and have a steak cool. and maybe enjoy an opera uh, <laughs> later on that that evening and then a uh, then a scrappy game of billiards uh, at the at a friend's house. 
So, so just, just so I'm clear, when you see those practice clips, it doesn't scratch, it doesn't scratch any kind of itch for you. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. When I see a 30 second quick cut montage. Yeah. The only thing that I get is PTSD that Oliver Stone is in the, is in the uh, college football highlight business. Oh no. That's that's There's a that's, lot of submarine, a lot of submarine tackles in that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we were to I mean, believe uh, the state-run media last year, Notre Dame was throwing bombs every pass, right? <laughs> right, right. And I know the worst just, statistical uh, the quick the quick cut the quick cut highlights are just it is just so. I don't even. I mean, I I don't know if I have the word to describe my feeling about it. Like it's such a let them eat cake kind of a thing that it's just like, why even bother? Like, honestly, why even bother? Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to, to see the guys in the pads a little bit. I mean, uh, but I mean, you know, the media when they are allowed there. So for example, uh, you know, we're allowed to shoot, we're allowed to use three minutes of the time that we're there or, you know, on a video, in a video, the one that uh, ISD had showed Jadarian price catching a pass, uh, out, you know, out in the flat and cutting up. That was nice. That, that was the most, that was the best thing I took from any of it period. That was it. And noticing that and noticing Tyler Buckner throws a, a nose down ball on a short pass. That I, I did I that. that. I, I never noticed that before, and I was so mad that that was the first time I really like, really noticed that. Like, see, oh, really yeah, throwing a sound ball on a on a short pass. So anyways, what, no, you, you I, also I don't, noticed like just just the way Darren Price is put together is. I mean, he's like a a lighter, Like, if if Audric Estime is Utrid, then Jadarian Price is definitely Finian. Finian, yeah, yeah. For sure. So just cut, but like that lean cut. Like yeah, he, they were, I mean, they were on, they were, you know, they were on the boats, you know, they made them slaves to go to Iceland. Uh, they, <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, Jerry Price definitely looks the part. Um, definitely is going to look better wearing the number 20 than than Sibo Flemister. And that's not a knock on Sibo. That's just a fact. Who just, officially, well, by the way, um, right. in case anyone was uh, waiting on bated breath, whether or not Sibo Flemister was still on the roster, it's official. He's off. Yeah, that was, that was such a weird process. I, I still don't understand how that, I, I, even, in, even Notre Dame to give price. I, I guess they didn't put it on the rock. They didn't put the early enrollee numbers on the roster. So maybe I thought they maybe did put in. the early enrolling numbers out there because no, everybody, everybody commented. I oh, put you them. did. No, I put them there. Oh, Wait, geez. I kept mentioning it. Like once he yeah. got his Jersey, I'm like, this kind of seals the deal about SIBO. You would think, you know, unless he's planning on changing a number or 23, or if he's going to, or if he's going to leave before spring ball started, you know, we just wasn't sure what was going on there. It was a lot like Bracey. You know, you didn't know what was going on with Bracey. Exactly. You kind of knew that Bracey was more likely to stay than, than Flemister. But there's just you had all these official, you know, tweets and Instagram posts about guys either leaving or guys, you know, staying. 
And those two, it was, you got nothing from. And with Bracey, it's definitely a want and a need. And with Flemister, it was like, this room is getting crowded. And, you know, you just, what's he, what, what does he provide still that yeah. isn't in that room again? And my man turned down free Ruth Chris Steakhouse steaks. <laughs> well, maybe so he wasn't he knew he was gone. Unless well, he, he was a cameraman. Unless he was a cameraman. Unless he was a cameraman. Or the driver. He's a driver, yeah. He could be the driver. Has he got his license back? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it could be his. I mean, he could be the driver, but that, like, you know, the. <laughs> they're wondering where he left the car. Uh, so are many people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sebo's gone. So, I mean, your running back room is what we. What we're all, what we've all been playing on this whole time. Nothing really has changed. It's a good one. Uh, I mean, yeah, Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, Audrey Estime, Jadarian Price. You know, that's that's a solid bunch. And you know, look, there's 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 been some there's been some noise in some corners of the Notre Dame universe about uh, Gabrain Payne, uh, the running back out of Cincinnati that was committed to IU. Uh, it was part of the 2022. Um, Notre Dame recruiting or Indiana recruiting class. He didn't sign his NIL or NLI, I should say. We'll get to NIL stuff later. NLI, his letter of intent, um, and that's gone. He's backed out of that. There's been some rumors around some different quarters of the Notre Dame universe that that Notre Dame's going after him. All I can say is that we have heard about this for quite a while, and that it is true that Notre Dame is is going after him. And I would say there is a strong chance Notre Dame ends up landing him. And the only reason I'm – we've known this for a long time. Yeah. That Notre Dame was going after him. But since, you know, really the McCullough hire. But now that it's out there, I feel a little more comfortable and, you know, able to talk about it a little bit. Here's a guy that that is, is can be a part of the 2022 running back room, which has already got – which has already got some guys. So – have you done the math? Which math? The math to see if um, if Notre Dame adds him to their recruiting class, is it possible to jump Penn State to number six? <laughs> you know, I that's something I would do, and I never did. You didn't do it. I know you didn't did, do it, and did I'm very you do disappointed. It? I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't put it in the old calculator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm heading right there right now. I'm gonna put a, we're going to find this out. Uh, but uh, but that's, I mean, nothing's official. Nothing's set in stone uh, or anything like that. Just saying there's a there's a really good chance that, that Notre Dame lands him. Um, which is great for me because it's Ohio. Hashtag Ohio. I mean, you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what you're all about. Yeah, that's your right. brand. And even, yeah, and even more so. Cincinnati. It's felt there's been a slip in Cincinnati. Um, I don't like that. Uh, I feel that that's you could put a fence around that city if you're Notre Dame. Uh, so it's just it's a good thing to have. Uh, but anyways, taking it back to spring football. Um, Pat Coogan's uh, got a meniscus tear, so he's out. Yeah, it's actually a little more. A little more noteworthy now that Jarrett Patterson's, uh, you know, out with his injury. So yeah, you got two centers out for the spring. 
Um, and again, we're t- and Coogan was a guy, not necessarily saying that he was going to be a, the backup at center or even, you know, he was just just a guy that we thought he could get a a bunch of work in in the spring uh, to kind of help bring him along to help be a backup uh, at center. So that's not going to be happening now. Um, Did I see correctly that Carmody was getting snaps at center? He has before. Last spring, dude, they yeah. tried everything. And even the, I'm not sure if Carmody took snaps at center in fall camp or not. I know for I know for a fact he did in spring. I, I know he, I, I'm pretty sure he is. Um, I saw some clips of him taking snaps this spring, or at least in the unpadded spring practice. And I guess he stand moved the, the offensive lineman outdoors. So it kind of took some of the media availability of the offensive lineman away. Right. Uh, because of course he stand took his guys outdoors. Right. Uh, <laughs> of course he did. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting, an interesting move, right? That they went outdoors. Well, not that they went outdoors, it, but um, you know, reintroducing Carmody to oh. the to the mix, and I don't know. So I, mean, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I just you got bodies that have some experience. I mean, Carmody has experience now, he right? Does. Yeah, he's so seen you have games. Guys he's have seen experience. games like live bullets in games, and you and now you have a a offensive line coach coming in that didn't recruit you, doesn't know you, and I think. I, I think there's going to be a big feeling out process with he stand. And I think he stands definitely one of those coaches where he's watching the film. He's watching practice film to get to know what these guys are doing, but none of that. That's like half. The other half is how they react to him and what he wants done and how he wants, you know, and all that. And so I think that that's what he's going to be toying around with this spring. Because you don't have to have it set this spring. No, Your offensive line does not. not have to be set. And I think, I think they're probably close to it. But I mean, it you have, have to set figuring out. Uh, yeah, I mean, all of the. I think they have their five. It's Look, just it's, where you put them. And it's right? all. It's already like it's already kind of like a non thing, right? With Patterson out. So it's not yeah. like you're going with your five and like developing certain things with the, with those five because Patterson's out. And kind so, of the bummer too with that is it's like why did they bring in He Stand? Like what is He Stand's ability? It's not to recruit. He's not a very good recruiter. Let's be honest. Um, I'm not really particularly sure that like as far as like connecting with players on a personal level like that. I don't know if that's really his I, thing. But, but I don't. Know, he's though, a technician, like, right? Isn't isn't that his right, thing? Is he like teaches technician in like? I do. I I do want to defend him about the connected with a player thing though a little bit. No, because they do like the guys that love him love him. The guy right? the guys that are he stand guy is will fucking fall on a sword. They'll fall on twenty swords for Harry. And that's, so that's a, is that is that a thing a because certain, of like they're teaching him the be, because he is the best possible teacher well, and they're like, look, I, I couldn't be where I am without him or when you talk about personal relationships, I just think that personal relationship is worth more than this guy's my buddy. Yeah. Like guys that are wanting to die for your coach. Like you, if you get in that mindset where you don't want to let them down and you're doing everything you can for them, that's a deeper connection than this guy understands me. He's, you know, I could talk about anything, but, but there's a, there's a deeper connection with trying to please somebody. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like almost like, uh, it's, it's not a proper comparison, but like, like, a, like a cult leader in a, in a sense. Well, the, isn't that something Marcus Freeman touched on when he said that he's a player's coach, 
but he's not a player's coach in the, in the sense that he wants to be buddy, buddy, um, that he's, he's a player's coach and that, that he wants to like push you and that he has expectations. Right. But I mean, and, Freeman and he would be different in the, in the aspect in a lot of different aspects, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would never consider Harry a, a player's coach, but like, even, <laughs> uh, but I, even with Freeman, like there has to be a, the, the age difference or the lack thereof with Freeman and the players is just so stark, right? Like there's just, there's just so much connection there that no, that they don't have with any other coaches out there. Um, I just, I, there's a different dynamic there that we're, I just, we're just not going to, we're not used to, we haven't seen, and we're going to just have to, we're going to figure it out as it goes along, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, 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 he at least um, is a little bit closer, but like, I don't know. I, I'm the same age as I think actually uh, Freeman's a year younger than me. Um, but, I, you know, if if I was expected to connect with an 18 year old, oh, boy, <laughs> um, that would <laughs> I would have some I would certainly have some trepidation with that. But uh, like, as as the father of a 13 year old daughter, I can tell you right now. It's fucking impossible. There's, <laughs> there's no, it is absolutely. But it's certainly easier for him as long as he's been locked. Cause he's been locked in the game. And like the great thing about coaching college football games is that the college football players is you get older and the players stay the same age. So they, you're constantly. It, it is the Matthew McConaughey of, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of life. So but yeah, he's been in that game. So like, yeah, he, he's at least not unacclimated to it. Like a, like, you know, like a, let's say like a Mac Brown. Well, let me, let me ask you though. Does that mean like a, a 61 year old kindergartner teacher, uh, has been able to relate to five year olds for 40 years better than anybody else? I mean, you know, give them enough weed, uh, you know, and edibles, which every kindergarten teacher I have to imagine. I've seen Billy Madison. I know how this game is played. <laughs> I know when they're at recess, they're eating, they're putting glue on their face. I know how this is played. Uh, but no, I know that they need their time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're with if you're locked into it, you know, you, you don't. Uh, you probably have a if you're closer in the age to it, at least. At least when he wants to reference some of like you know, pop culturally, um, right. it's certainly in a better place than it would be if if it was like a you know Mac Brown or a Les Miles or a Brian Kelly or Nixon or a, Mi- or a Mike Braid demanding California Love be played after the after the listen. That's Rock. a time. It's a timeless. It's a timeless song. <laughs> it is timeless. It is ti- and it's you know Mike Braid was a much younger man when that song came out as we all were. Uh, so let me. Alec Freeman's brought up. I, I do want to talk about a couple things about Freeman and I'm going to lead it off with this where I think Marcus Freeman, there, there's a case to be made that there is a little bit of overexposure right now with the, with the media, not, and in the, that's to say that, and not, not in a sense that he's, um, doing too much himself. Like he's, he's putting himself out there, but I mean, like for like self kind of selfish reasons, I'm just saying that he has been very accessible to the media since his hiring. And 
the same questions get asked and there's not a whole lot of answers to give that are different. I mean, when Notre Dame, when at the press conference, when people are asking like, where are you standing to practice? I just think that's overkill. Right. I just, I think that's a, I don't, I, it's not a dumb question, but it's just like, it's still not a question I would ever ask or care about in that setting. Like if you cared about where he's standing out in practice, just watch him where he's at, I guess. Like having him talk about it is just a, a strange thing because all you're, all you're doing is really just magnifying the fact that he's a new head coach, new like head no coach. shit. He's a new head coach. I, Everything that he's doing is, is different and new from what he's had to do. And so I think a lot of these answers have, uh, I mean, just listen to Marcus Freeman's press conference. This is last time around. It's just, there is a lot of fluff in those answers. There's not much and, left to, there's no more meat on the bone. Yeah, there is no more meat, man, it, 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 which is fine. Like, there doesn't, there doesn't need to be any meat. I mean, I just, I, I think, I think writers right now, media members are really trying to find as many good stories as they can get. And they're just chopping up the bit because they've been so open. It is the, the, the buffet bar is, is no one's filling it back up that those, those mushroom poppers are not coming back. I mean, listen, you know what this is? This is an all you can eat buffet or an all you can eat pasta at Olive Garden. <laughs> no, I see. I was going to use OCB or no, this is this uh, is Golden Olive Corral. You, you fucking leave Olive Garden out of this. This is Olive Garden, man. This is Olive Garden because, like, let let's be real with this. Um, the last lingering impression with a lot of people, as far as an on the field performance, was the second half collapse against Oklahoma State. Right. Right. So. so that's not really my, I don't really put that entirely on the feet of Marcus Freeman. That was a bad spot to get thrown into. You didn't have a defensive coordinator. Um, I mean, there was a ton of upheaval and, you know, Oklahoma State was pretty good, but, but putting all that aside, like, you know, he just, he, he wants to get on with his spring. And it's like, this is one aspect of, of being a head coach for him that he might not necessarily be as accustomed to is, is, uh, is other parts. Um, because under Brian Kelly, he didn't have to answer like how many Marcus Freeman interviews did, did Brian Kelly allow during his one year as defensive coordinator? I mean, you, well, do, do he you did know? A couple, he did a couple of podcasts after he got hired, which was actually well, surprising. <laughs> yeah. After he got, <laughs> yeah. Right. But I mean, as defensive coordinator, I mean, did, did, did the media get to speak to him during the season? No, no. No, and I don't know what Luke Fickle's policy was on it, but I don't I don't think anybody's really out there questioning the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati. No, no slight to Cincinnati, but I, I don't think that there's the appetite. Nobody's wetting their whistle to talk to the defensive coordinator right. AAC team. So this is uh, as far as the X's and O's stuff go and like motivating players and recruiting and all that kind of stuff. Um, that probably hasn't been a big adjustment for him. I, I would say the biggest adjustment for him has been like the glad handing in the media stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that's a big part of it. And, I mean, look, I get, I get it. I get, I get that. I get it. I'm in the business, man. I'd understand how this works. You, you need, you want looking for the stories. You're looking for as many angles as you can. Cause you have an entire off season of, to fulfill. So even if you aren't writing a story that week or, or that day about what's in that 
in that press conference, you're trying to get as many details in line and in order and in your notes moving forward throughout the, the whole off season. And something that you also have in your back pocket for the season. If something comes up, I get, I get all the questions, but if you just listen to the man, there's so much less that you're getting from him. Yeah. It's, it's, and it, you're doing, I think, th- I think Marcus Freeman is doing a disservice to himself for <laughs> to keep answering the damn questions. Like, I think he really needs to pull more of a, of a, uh, of a less is sleepy, more sleepy uh, of a sleepy BK and just kind oh, of, yeah. Not, but it took no, BK some time to get there too. Cause like absolutely. a lot of times but Notre Dame still had a lot more BK still had a lot more, uh, experience in that, in that regard. Oh yeah. With the politician aspect too. Uh, and he was a head coach. I mean, basically through his entire career, BK was never a positional coach and didn't have to really do that. Um, I just right. hope that we can make it through this spring of a new Notre Dame head coach without him saying something ridiculous, like unconscious well, and consciousness or decided schematic advantage <laughs> or bringing right, a nasty. <laughs> the questions about the quarterback, the answers about quarterbacks was probably the one that had you, had me like, it wasn't the, it wasn't the fighting thing. It wasn't the, the, that, no, the fighting thing was a little, cause that was unprompted. Like that just came out. So like, I was, I, I was just, I was wondering like, what is he thinking? Like not necessarily like he shouldn't be saying that, but like, what was he thinking before he got to the podium? Was he's like, what did he see in his life at Ohio? He probably State? just broke up a fight. <laughs> so it probably <laughs> happened. He's like, Oh yeah, we're not fighting. We're not fighting. Yeah. That was just, it was such a strange, uh, Kind of thing. And honestly, for Notre Dame fans, like I remember a spring, and I think it might have been the 07 season, uh, where you know you had like Eric Olson in the defense, like going at like oh just yeah, bl- yeah. huge brawl going on inside practice. And as fans, you loved it, right? You're like, oh, they got the fight, you know, they're out there fighting. And Freeman's basically like chopping that down in that sentence, like, we don't want no fighting here. We <laughs> no, I don't think he said that we don't want any fighting, it's just they don't, they're, they're not fighting here. Right. It's all right. respectful. So it's just, that's not a bad thing. And it's like, it's like, no, but it's, it's certainly, but it's definitely not anything I would lead in the first, you know, first couple points of my opening press conference of spring. I, it, it just, it just seems strange. And then the quarterback questions. And I think this is a, it's, it is unfair when people kind of like push that on him. Like, of course he's not like totally like, enveloped into quarterback play. He was a linebacker in college. He was a linebacker's coach, a defensive coordinator, but up until a few months ago, like he is not, he is not going to be like the, like you said, the quarterback guru right off the bat. I think I, th- I just, See, I figure that as yes, that's never going to be him. Nobody asked Nick that Saban. Seems more, that. that just seems more of a known, right? Like that doesn't really need to be a question and he doesn't have to, he shouldn't have to give, these long winded answers, it's just more of a known and in giving those answers, <laughs> this just, it's not a good sounding words coming out. Of <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's a little cringy and, and like, well, I don't know. It's just, it, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I think that's why I'm just like, Oh, I just want to get through this fucking spring so bad. Like just cause there's so much stuff gets overanalyzed. And we talked about that in the DMs with Greg, you know, like everything's just so overanalyzed and overscoped that, you know, everyone and people want to make, you know, huge bits of out of nothing. And 
definitely, I think his quarterback comments out of the, out of the presser, are, are, that, that, that was it. That's, that's the one that's got, you know, for me, it was the fight, I guess, but everybody else was the quarterback stuff. And I just got, and for me, it's just kind of like, that's the known, like he, he's not going to be like totally, that's why it was so important to keep Tommy Reese. Right. Like that was, that was why it was like the package of him and Reese was enticing because we didn't need Freeman to like be totally like in with this. And I also oppose anybody calling it a fucking quarterback competition. It's going to be Buckner. Let's just, let's not make it more than what it is. No, if it's not Buckner, then there are serious issues or it means Buckner got hurt. Right. I mean, if it's not Buckner, then Buckner got hurt. Simplify that. If it's not Buckner, we're fucked. Right. Well, no, I, I, I think if it's Drew Pine, Notre Dame can absolutely go out next season and win eight and win some football. Exactly. They win eight, nine football games. If it's Tyler Buckner, there's a very real possibility they could run the table or win 11 games. I'd say probably win 11 games, 10, 10 to 11 games. But I think that if, if Notre Dame, if Notre Dame was able to steal a game in Columbus, you're telling me that you don't think, you know, against a brand new, um, you know, listen, if offensive line, Ohio state. And I, we had, if we had more, if we had just like one more or two more seasoned wide receivers, I would not feel that way with about that. And I know that seems nuts, but I mean, it's, but it's not like I, I would feel more comfortable with not feeling the doom and gloom of a, of a Buckner not working out and having to go to pine. Right. If Notre Dame had more options at receiver, at the wide receiver. but it's I mean, just, it's, even, and it's not like they're not good. It's just like, there's such a small, uh, we, we can't fuck up there. <laughs> there's not very many wide receivers. These guys have to produce, uh, this season. But even even to. if even if they had like let's say Kevin Austin came back and that was that was a point of contention in the last podcast like if it's Drew Pine and and Kevin Austin's back like there's still a definitive ceiling and the offense is entirely different I think if you have Tyler Buckner I mean who knows how he develops this off season right and I mean he could develop and he he is a competent runner and his escapability and I know. Greg's uh, touched on it before where he says that Tyler wants to be a passer. So a guy who wants to be a passer like that, but then has the ability to scramble, like if it's not, if it's not Buckner, I mean, his skill set is like, I'm, I'm still sold on him. I, I know think, a lot of people are, are, you know, looking towards Dante more in the future, but I'm still sold on Buckner. Oh, I, yeah, I am too for, for right now. I mean, I mean, what, what else can you be? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, you can be, if you're skeptical about it, not even, no, you can definitely be skeptical, but if you think that this absolutely is just not going to work out, like that's a bad place to be in, in March. <laughs> that is a bad place to be in. Cause that, now you're waiting an entire another year and disaster to strike to like, it's not a good place to be in. But let me ask you this, Brennan, given the fact that Notre Dame lost Kyron Williams, and Kevin Austin, how confident are you that Notre Dame's offense can and Jack Cohn, by the way, can still be better this season than they were last year? I mean, I, I, I think that they can be better. I think that, um, how, how confident are you in that? Like, I'm pretty confident. I think that the offensive line is going to be heads and tails better. I think that we have a second year of Joel, 
you know, of uh, alt of, um, you know, we, we have another year Fisher, a full year of healthy Fisher. I think the offensive line is going to be demonstratively better than it was last year in probably a strength of the team. While through the first six games, I think you could point, the ultimate weakness. Yeah, it was the ultimate weakness. Yeah. So, and you also have, I think a lot of people like to, to kind of maybe gloss over the fact that the best tight end in college football, I don't know if that's hyperbole. Is that hyperbole? I mean, you have to ask the Mackey award. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, he's not even worth to be nominated, but, <laughs> but I, 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 I don't think that enough can be said about how much of an impact that Michael Mayer is going to have year three in the Bayless system as a, as a junior. I think he is going to have maybe the best statistical. I don't, I don't even think maybe he is going to have the greatest statistical season of any tight end in Notre Dame history. Right. If Jack Cohn was our quarterback, I'd say yes. I just don't know. And that's it. Doesn't matter if it's Buckner or Pine. I, I'm, 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 I, I just don't know enough yet. You would think, right? Like a tight end's a quarterback's best friend, and should be, and especially, especially with a quarterback. Yeah. Right. And that 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 you know is definitely the uh, the mantra that you would think. So, but it has to. It still has to develop that way. Like that's not always the case. You know, sometimes the. A, a newer quarterback gets in there and it's just kind of like, I don't know. It goes sideways, Throwing bombs. Uh, but you would, yeah, but you would, you would think, you would think that mayor is certainly primed to have the best year ever as a tight end in Notre Dame. I mean, it's just, that seems to look be, to be the trajectory, right? I mean, his skill set is, is ridiculous. And just given the, the uncertainty at wide receivers sort of, um, but yeah, I, you have to assume that he's going to have a good season and he's going to be the best return. He, he is the best returning tight end in college football. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I think that just the offensive line in general and not a slight against Quinn <laughs> so much, but you know, I, I do think that there is some of that technical stuff that maybe he stand can help with these young guys. Maybe, maybe I, 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 I think you can scratch them. Maybe I think you can you can fault he stand for things, but you cannot fault him for his ability to. I mean, just look at look at the players playing at the all pro level in the NFL, and I think that that in the short term certainly is going to to help next year, right? Oh, I think one hundred percent. Like I mean, I mean, te- te- being technicians and 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 being able to play their positions and as a unit, I think it is going to be a lot better than it had been. And it's crazy to say, because I, I firmly believe Kyron's the best running back of like the last 10 years. I, I, I maybe the last 20 years, Kyron, Kyron Williams was amazing, but I think that we're going to have a better running game next season, even without Kyron Williams, right? Just the Tyler Buckner factor. I think things, I think with, with, with Buckner, if things work out, mostly for what we think they can work out. Not even, I'm not even saying like all of a sudden Buckner's just like playing out of this world. Just if things work out mostly the way that we are, are talking about, I think that the running game definitely open it. There'll be, there'll be an openness to the running game that we haven't seen in a while. Like we'll like, be able to do. If we get first half Virginia tech, Tyler Buckner, um, you know, for, but I also expect Tyler Buckner probably to throw some some picks like he did against Virginia Tech. But I yeah I don't know I I think I think the offense is in a good spot. 
Well, you know, and I and I know that that uh, Freeman took a little heat, um, you know, for saying, you know, what do you want out of your quarterbacks? And he's like, protect the ball, protect the ball, protect the ball. I don't blame him for saying that. I think that's he's got a young I, quarterback. He's got to say he's got. Like, I know people. I know people want him to be like to be dynamic and push the ball and blah blah blah. But protecting the football is the ultimate is the ultimate thing on the offensive side of the ball at all times. Protect that's the ball. A, do you think that that's sort of like a head coach's savvy? And he's not really a, a he's not a savvy head coach yet, I guess. But no, not that yet. That message was to Tyler Buckner, not to the media. Listen, you need to protect the football. He wasn't saying that to the media. I think maybe perhaps that uh, comment was projecting to Tyler Buckner. Hey, I don't, but yeah, I don't think, I think Freeman has to use the media to get a point across to, to the players. Like I, I think Brian Kelly has in the past. Yeah. Brian Kelly definitely did that, but I don't think Marcus Freeman has to use the media to get a point across the players. I think, I think he's a, he's a good enough communicator. And I think there's a different, you know, there's just a, there's a different way he goes about things. And so I, but I think, I think what that is, is it's a, I think it's a protection for his quarterbacks, right? Whether, regardless if it's Buckner or Pine, that's a, it's in a way it's a protect them. So when, you know, when we're, you're playing a game and, and, you know, it's just, if the offense isn't as explosive in the passing game as what people want, but you're turn you know, you're not turning the ball over, you're not throwing interceptions and all that. That's that you can hang your hat on that, right? Like, say you're only throwing for 230 yards a game, but you're not, Throwing, you know, you're not throwing picks, you're not turning the ball over. You can still hang your hat on that, right? That's as a who oh, cares if you throw for 400 yards if you throw two picks. It's, and especially when the, the two picks come, right? That, yeah, that's a right. thing too. It's it, it is so, about protecting the football and and that sort of thing. So I, yeah. So I think I mean I just think it's kind of a and 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 here's the thing, Freeman probably just isn't as. And we've said it. He's not that savvy head coach just yet. And so I think that the press conference answers that he gives are more. This is his thought. This is his actual thoughts. This is was actually this. There is more truth coming out of Marcus Freeman's mouth than you get from most coaches because he's not the savvy head coach with the media yet. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a great communicator with his team and his players. And that's because of the honesty and, and the focus that he puts in the points. I think when he's asked a question, he gives an honest, he gives a fairly honest answer, which isn't a savvy thing for coach. Like you're not going to get that from, from Marcus Freeman in 10 years. You know what I mean? He's going to know, he's going to know better than not to, to lay out the full truth. I mean, he'll figure that out this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll definitely figure, figure out that this year. <laughs> but see the, Listen, what we're talking about. We're talking about just like some basic press conference questions and answers. That's what spring football is right now. After day one, uh, you guys are listening to this. They're on their second practice today, uh, which uh, there's no media access. Uh, and I think Tommy Reese uh, will be taking questions. So th- there's there's not going to be a whole lot of meat on the bone for us to <laughs> to pick off of this. I mean, for a while. I mean, we're gonna have. There's gonna be a full session, and then it'll be, be some stuff here and there. Tommy Reese, though, right? Because th- that sort of media availability wasn't really a thing in the previous right. and administration. I'm, and there's your quarterback. I mean, 
you got to get the quote about the quarterback stuff with Freeman. But the real answer lies in with what Breeze is doing with the quarterbacks, because that's who ultimately is in charge of him as their position coach and as their offensive coordinator. And as the guy who's basically not just the offensive coordinator, but this is baby chart that that, that he is ultimately like doesn't need a whole lot of uh, permission uh, from Freeman on that side of the football, you know, with, with, with other offensive coordinators and head coaches and even head coaches that are more CEOs, you're still looking for permission from those guys. I think Tommy has a little more free reign and which is fine. I mean, it's absolutely fine, but the quarterback questions that you're, the answers that you're looking for, those are going to be, you're going to get those out of Tommy. If, you know, if, if he gives them at all. So I don't know, man, I'm definitely interested to hear from Tommy Reese as far as, I think Tommy's uh, Tommy's interview is going to give us a better insight as far well unquestionably gives us a better insight as to where the offense is and what he he expects. It's a big year for Tommy, right? Year three. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, I mean, Tommy was courted first and foremost, courted by BK to go to LSU to be the OC, but Tommy was courted and like courted hard to go down to Miami. And so he is a, I mean, regardless of what some of you may think of him, he is a hot name in the coaching industry right now. Like people like what he does. He's a good coach. And he's an up and I mean, he's an up and comer. So this year is important to kind of like seal that deal. You know what I mean? Like to, to be that, to be one of those first three, four names when like the national talking heads are talking about offensive coordinators throughout the country, this is the year he could seal the deal as far as being one of those first names mentioned. Right. Well, not only that, but like, I, I always struggle with sort of like, what is the Tommy Reese offense at this point? Because I, I still, if you were to ask me what a Tommy Reese offense is, I don't know. Like what, what is a Tommy Reese offense? Well, I mean, but that's the thing. I don't, I don't mind that. Like, I'm not, I don't really get, I don't care if a guy, if a guy is like known as an offensive coordinator, who's a power runner or has this spread game. Like, I don't mind the same way with my home decor. I don't mind it being a little eclectic. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind having little bits and pieces. I just need it to be effective. I need you to score points. And so if that is, if that ends up being the, uh, the MO protecting the football, scoring points, I'm fine with that. However, it's done. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care about running the damn ball. I don't care about going, you know, you know, airing it out. What's going to get you points. What's going to win the football game. What gives you a better opportunity to win that game. And, you know, like, like in the bowl game against Oklahoma state, Say whatever you want about Clarence Lewis or whatever happened to that defense giving up 650 yards. But the main problem with that team was not the defense. It was the offense's inability to do anything in the second half that forced that defense to stay out there. The fact that right. you had 68 you know, four, passes, four wide receivers running routes the whole time, they were dead. It's just that was the that's what hurt Notre Dame in that bowl game. The, the defense needed some more help. 
you know, and you think 28-7 lead was, was good enough help, but not when you go about, not when you're getting three and out, three and out. That, that, that That's not helpful. You keep giving the other team an opportunity uh, to get on the field and do some things. That's just, that's doesn't help. So a, a Tommy Reese offense mostly is, is something that works in, I guess, you know, kind of hand in hand with the defense, right? Being efficient, moving the ball down the field, scoring points, not turning the ball over. It's not sexy. I mean, it's not, it, you know, it's not the mouse Davis run and shoot, but it's effective. So being an effective offense, if that, if that is the uh, trademark memories offense, I'll take it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I will take the offense that is, that is capable of sustaining uh, its ability to move the football throughout the entire game, and that's what's going to serve them the best against Ohio State. Do you think that, you know, you know Miami, Chris of all, got rid of the, of the turnover chain, which is funny, uh, considering how much the, how all in that school was uh, for the administration <laughs> down. Oh, and the media too. The but, media just ate. Oh yeah. That. It's, it's, it's just too much. Um, and it's, it was never as good as the turnover chainsaw and, and, uh, Corvallis. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, I think it, what if Tommy Rees, uh, had like a, a couple of cinder blocks on a chain, the turnover, the turnover cinder blocks where you commit a turnover on offense. You got to carry around these fucking cinder blocks. For a while, <laughs> kind of like, kind of like uh, when you're fumbling in practice, and the coach makes you carry the fo- football around, uh, you know, all day for a week. Yeah, I, I say bring it in. Let's see whatever, the punishment on the sidelines. Whatever they can do to get to get the guys um, motivated and locked in, sign me up. If it's if it's a turnover cinder block, uh, sign me up. <laughs> Like, wait a minute. Uh, what is what is this? Uh, you know what you could you know what you could wrap it with? Catholic guilt. You know, instead of instead of the diamonds and the gold, just wrap the cinder blocks in Catholic guilt. And uh, we got that. We got that for days. Yeah, yeah there's plenty of that. Uh, we're ready to go. So anyway, so spring football is underway. And again, I I, I don't want to make everyone think that I just do not care. But there's just you got to pick your you got to pick your spots here because there's just there's not a whole lot of new stuff. I'm not trying to fluff it up. Let's put it that way. We'll yeah. see what happens. I, I mean, could I have written a preview for every position? Sure. Have I done it in the past? Absolutely. Did, did I find it necessary this year? No. No. I just, <laughs> we're just gonna see how this shit goes. So the card spring is fall. Spring is not an indicator of what happens. In the season. No. It just isn't. It, it's important for coaches. It's important for players. Absolutely. 1,000%. But shit's going to change come fall camp. And yeah. I mean, just looking at two, about, 2007, like, not going to bring up the name, but going into 2007, you thought that the running game was going to be something of note. And guess what? It was not in 2007. <laughs> no, it absolutely it was certainly not. not. And it's and it's just it's every year there's there's more like that and I and I know we love to bring up the junior jabby thing and all that it's more than that it's more than just the shine and the blue goal game it's the it's the player who is having a really nice spring 
So he gets talked about a lot, but it's just that he's improving. It's not that he's at a level of where he's going to be a superstar in the fall, but that always, almost always gets, you know, just roided out to that point where then when fall camp comes, like, well, where'd so-and-so go? Well, he's in the same, he's doing the same shit as, as it was, but progressing now it's, it's fall camp. Now it's not spring, it's not spring ball. So trying to keep it on, on the level, um, you know, I'm excited to see the spring game. I, I, that's the you know that's the first time I've said that in a while. Like I'm excited I for the draft. Like that's that's the thing I think, I think I'm most excited for is just like, I like I, I definitely like that. Yeah, bring the the competitive nature to it. Um, so when you're just a helpful hint here, when you're having a spring game that has the format like that, where it's split up and draftable. Number one, you're going to get like a little better competition. But number two is there's not a whole lot you can take group wise out of that game. Like the offensive line is not, you're not going to have the, the offensive It's not the line. ones running with the ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> but it's, I, I think it's going to be a better product to watch. We'll see what, we'll see what players shine. I hope so. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll see, if, see if Brayden Lindsay just owns it. I got, a, I got a feeling Lindsay's going to, be a spring MVP. He looked really good. Um, as far as like, he, he looked well put together. He looked bigger than he did, uh, previously in other seasons, which is, you know, kind of been what I expected last year. And that didn't really pan out a whole lot, but he, he looks he's good. walking with a fat, he's walking with a fatter wallet. Speaking of wallets, if you have any money left home field right now, Homefieldapparel.com got an extra 10% off thanks to Notre Dame's upset. I mean, it's an upset, right? The yeah. Upset I would say an 11 over a six is an upset. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, people were questioning if this was a legitimate upset because of Alabama's record and kind of what they done. Like they beat Baylor. They beat uh, Gonzaga. Uh, they, they beat Houston. Like, yeah, Bama was a team that was dangerous, very dangerous. And Vegas thought so, where Notre Dame was a, a four or five point fit, uh, underdog in the game. So, yeah, it was an upset. But Tally site had it at 61 percent of Tally site had 61 um, percent of people on Tally site had uh, uh, Alabama as the victor. And I think over 50 percent had them uh, on the on the spread, too. So, yeah, it's a. It's an 11 seed to beat a six seed. Tell me how that's not an upset. Uh, <laughs> anyways, if you use the code NDMania, uh, the 10% off the entire Notre Dame collection right now, uh, Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, they did just release the the gorgeous uh, Here Come the Irish uh, t-shirt with the, with the dunking leprechaun. They did release that right before the ACC tournament. Uh, very nice. I still have not been able to wear that, Brendan. Why haven't you worn it yet? Why? Because my wife uh, basically has made that her shirt. Yeah. Apparently. That's understandable. That's also on you for not purchasing her, her own home field apparel. Like I've today, Christy wore her uh, um, home field apparel, uh, the, the blue, hoodie and then also she wore the usc uh the usc greens so um she, I, own, 
35 home field t-shirts, not yeah. including hoodies or, or, or crews, 35 home field t-shirts. Yeah. Why does she keep taking the here come the Irish duck and leprechaun one? There's uh, because plenty in that drawer. Is she going to, is she going to, is she going to pluck, pluck out a, a Georgia one? No, no, she's not going to pluck out the Georgia one. No, but, but I mean the same, the same shirt, but different logo. The, I, with the, um, uh, here come the Irish, with the leprechaun on that. That's in, that's in the drawer. Like well, the Doug leprechaun's out. <laughs> Nothing's been mine for 16 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the point. Homefield's homefield apparel is just so comfortable. Uh, if you're married or have a girlfriend, um, you're gonna have problems. You are gonna have a major problem on your hands because your wife or girlfriend is gonna keep stealing your hoodies, uh, keep stealing your t-shirts, and there's nothing you can do about it except for emptying your wallet and getting more gear. Uh, and at least now you can do that for cheaper. Again, ND Mania uh, for 10% off the entire Notre Dame collection. If it's your first time ordering and you're just like you're an alum of uh, I don't, maybe you're a Purdue alum and to listen to this podcast, which would just seem like the funniest thing, uh, to me, funnier than even a Michigan fan, get on there. One foot, uh, as your code will get you 10% off your first order, 15% off your first order. Sorry. And so, buy a uh, home field shirt for every year. Brian Cardinal played for uh, Purdue. So <laughs> you can own like seven, seven shirts. Uh, shoot. Homefield, homefieldapparel.com for all your goods. All right. Now, we're going to get to something here that Brennan and I have been kind of like sauteing. Like we, we, we put the butter in the pan. We, we cut up the onions. Um, and it's, we're, you know, we're looking to get those. We did our mise en place. We did our mise en place and now we're cooking them down. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's a process. You cannot rush it because you don't want to burn it. We need to talk about nil stuff, y'all. Oh boy, and it's a. I think this is a very complicated subject for us. It's because... a problem, Josh. Josh, this is a problem. This yeah. is a problem that's going to unless they do something about this quickly. This is a problem. And I know where your thoughts are at for it, but this could this could seriously cost Notre Dame. Yeah, so here's here's absolutely because this is kind of what I see right now as we sit here today. Notre Dame. We want Notre Dame to be elite, right? We're we as fans and, and media members, we're we're pushing this university to to own the 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 the. Um, the standard that they're supposed to be, and that's fighting for national championships to be the, uh, you know, to be the program that, that it's supposed to be. And they have done that. Even in the leanest of years, they have still tried uh, within the scope of the sport. And things have changed. The NL, the NIL stuff has absolutely changed the way that we're going to see things come about in college athletics and especially in college football, as we're, as we're focusing on right now, uh, basketball, I just think that's going to be way different because you still only got, got enough one and dones where it hasn't been, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's tough it, for them to monetize off the one year. Yeah. It, it's, it is what it is. Football is a little different. 
Just look at the athletic dropping a dropping a story talking about eight million dollars for four years for a quarterback. And, and we all know who the quarterback is at this and, point. It, they've already said it's not Archie Manning, which would have been my first at first blush. It would have been Archie Manning, but it looks like a certain quarterback is going to be taking his services to Tennessee for eight million four years for four, for four years. Yeah. For four years, that, which I thought that that's the most ridiculous part of it is yeah, it's not. Like, yeah. That's a, that, that's a huge part of it. Four years. So anyway, and of course, we're talking about, you know, Nico, Nico, uh, um, Amaliva, right? The, 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 yeah, Amaliva right there. Cause that, that'll, that'll, that'll work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's who it looks like they're dropping $8 million. Right. On. Right. So that comes, I mean, that comes after the fact that, you know, the whole Texas A&M recruiting class thing, which I don't give a shit what Jimbo Fisher is talking about. 20 to $25 million for their class this year. Yeah, that was absolutely a thing. You're hearing about offensive linemen going for 50 grand a pop down. So, I mean, there's just, there's money being thrown around. Texas is, Texas is giving every offensive lineman, every offensive lineman. It doesn't matter if you're a starter or not. You could be a freshman. You are getting 50 K if you play scholarship football as an offensive lineman for the university of Texas, $50,000. That's like entry level, <laughs> entry level salary for, you know, there's Americans who would love to make $50,000 a year. Right. And here's the thing. There's Notre Dame fans right now who are already screaming at this podcast about some of that. Well, that's cheating and that's not how it's supposed to work. And it's not, it's only none of it's cheating. If it's no. being allowed, if it's being allowed. And in the manner, like yes, Texas is not giving them. It's a alumni group, right? And I, th- my broader point that we're gonna that I'm gonna try to get across to all of you in all this is that the culture that Notre Dame has created with its fan base and its program over the last hundred years, in the way that they do things, in the way that they want to be seen, how they go about how they go about being Notre Dame was great under all the restrictions that the NCAA had on. Now that the lid has opened up the culture in place for Notre Dame. And this is, I'm talking about the alumni and fans that gets a, that gets a little bit more of a, of a, of a twisted eye look by them than schools that will say like Arkansas or Texas, Texas or A&M. LSU or Texas A&M schools that have a long history of let's do whatever we can outside of the rules. Ole Miss, right? With Hugh Freeze. To get players. Now they're saying the shit that used to be against the rules is in the rules. They're already there. That, that, that culture is already there. Notre Dame just does not have that culture. And I'm not trying to trying to mark Notre Dame off as a squeaky clean program that has done everything by the book. That is not true, but the overall culture of the program and of the fan base, it is not in that same mindset. It is not in that same, um, that same drive to do these things. And so we're walking into a world now where we're recruiting against these schools with these alumni collectives that are just dropping coin to get things. Ohio state just hired fucking urban Meyer or not even Ohio state. What the, the group has urban yeah. Meyer coming in to take care of it, whatever the hell that is. I mean, 
you got some Notre Dame is going to be going up against a lot of factors that they that are uncontrollable. And the alumni that Notre Dame has, that's just not in their DNA to do the things that are necessary to recruit on that same level. And that's what and I, know I that think there's, probably there's the put them behind the eight thing, ball and that's all gr- post Weiss because a lot of that really picked up because I mean Cam Newton and his dad with the bag man and like the cash inside McDonald's bags. Like this is this is something that's been going on in college football probably oh. since the beginning of time. And now it's just out in the open and it allowed. Like it allowed doesn't have to be yes, doesn't and, have to be hidden. That's my problem with it is that it's allowed now and that Notre Dame, it should have, it should have, um, even the playing field for Notre Dame because this sort of stuff is allowed and they should be taking advantage of it. And from all that I can see and from, you can see, right. I'm not going to speak for you, but like, it doesn't look like Notre Dame is taking advantage of this opportunity that they have now where the rules everyone else was playing by and Notre Dame wasn't like Notre Dame's finishing a class ranked 11th or, or, you know, 14th. And I guess I, w- I want to make, I want to make sure it's clear though, Brennan, before you go on that too, like I, I think insane Notre Dame, we're not just, we're not just focusing on the school and the administration. Like, again, this is a, a lot of this money stuff is these these collectives of alumni. Oh, it's all boosters but, and alumni. So the school, yeah. yeah, boosters. So they can like say the school has nothing to do with it. That's how it's so legal. So when we're saying Notre Dame, I'm not blaming Father no. Jenkins. No, no, absolutely not. But I'm also not 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 because he could encourage it for incur. Yeah, exactly. For there is some encouragement that is needed again because of the culture that is been in place in Notre Dame for decades and decades and decades and decades of how to go about these things. Like when USC was won their singular recognized title of the last, um, you know, 30, 40 years, it was, it was, it was shown out to be at least that one. The, The second one got removed because of this, but it was essentially NIL stuff. Right. USC built their dynasty off of what would be essentially unfrowned upon now because it wasn't like the University of Southern California was um, buying Reggie Bush. Um, they were just know, turning the other cheek. They or were turning, turning the other turning, turning the other turn way. The head, yeah. um, it's not like when Miami in 2001 was putting together, you know, the greatest college football team of all M- time. MSU, the, the, what gave MSU the death penalty is what is absolutely 100 percent legal now. Yeah, MSU is the absolute like blueprint on on a collective and how it works. The Pony Express, right? Yes. The the I got to make a payroll. That's what's that's that is the direction that things are going right now. And look, it doesn't matter if you agree with it or don't agree with with what's going on. And the fact is that it is what is happening. So that it doesn't really matter if you think oh I need. Cool. I maybe maybe I agree with you. Maybe I don't. And none of that matters because the reality is the reality. And that is the reality right now is that massive amounts of money are changing hands legally out in the open and like we've never seen before 
in a public in a public setting. So that is the reality. Frankly, good. Like I'm a capitalist well, through and through, well, and I think that, that they should be able to monetize and to be able yes. to get what they what they deserve. And if the market dictates that, you know, I don't think that five years from now a quarterback. You know, I don't think Nico's getting eight million dollars five years from now because that's unsustainable. No. But right now, no, and we've talked about that before, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But right now, yeah, like right now, it's like it's it's wild west. And when Carnell, I think the thing that really tipped, tipped you and me off was when Carnell Tate came for his visit, and that's what that's what yes. fired you up, right? I was there before that, and I knew, and I was before that before that visit. Uh, but that uh, definitely was like, okay, we need to talk about this because this is Notre Dame. It, look, it's not like Notre Dame itself can just say, we're going to give you $20 million or whatever. We're not, we're going to, Notre Dame cannot say, hey, Carnell, you come here, we're going to pay you a million dollars a year. And that's not going on anywhere else either, technically. No. Technically. So, but just knowing what is in place for NIL for Notre Dame, which is nothing. There is so no, walk me, walk no me through, walk me through the Carnell Tate comments. Cause he, he, he came on the campus uh, earlier this week and he had interviews with all of the various uh, media outlets. So walk me through what NIL opportunities. I mean, basically Notre Dame basically what was, what was, Basically, it was, we're going to help you build up your social media brand, and we'll help you find deals uh, after you perform on the field. That's the that's, that's the short of it. Right? Yeah. Yep, that, that, that's basically it. Um, they said, essentially, what like reading between the lines, it was like, good luck. They don't want, they don't want, yeah, they don't want anything to do with it. And so, and so though you have this thing, the Irish Players Club, and we've talked. We, we had a nice conversation with Jude, and I and I and I really damn sorry that Jude isn't in this conversation with with Brennan and I, because I think Jude will have a, I would I wouldn't say an opposite opinion of this, but a different a, a differing of viewpoint um, of this, and I wish that was on there so we could talk about it, so we can give you a fuller um, view, but uh, that just isn't the case, but. With the Irish Players Club, it just that is touted out as this big NIL, and it is it because they, you know, they're getting three grand in their pockets. That's not very much money, man. It, it isn't a whole. It is not. That is not a lot of money at all. They and, weren't players weren't even allowed to have jobs, right? Because that was one of the things is they couldn't have a job because you could get a job at a car dealership and they right. could just kick you all right. kinds of money. Like right. this isn't you. You'll make more money working at a at a you know, car wash during the summer, then you will, <laughs> you know, doing the, the, the three K, you know, NFT thing. It just, it's, it's not enough money, especially when it, it should not, it is not the, it should not be the centerpiece of what we know about Notre Dame's NIL deals. But that's what it feels like right now. Right? Like that feels like that is the centerpiece and, or you know the bigger the bigger thing, like I like I have no idea what um, Cal Hamilton made on his apparel deal with uh, 
uh, whatever. I, I I can't remember the name of that <laughs> that company that the uh, hit or on or whatever it is. Anyways, I don't know how much money he made off of that, but I mean, he was a junior all American, right? Because more or less what we're talking about is, and that's what Notre Dame wants, right? Notre Dame wants that part of it. But what we're talking about is to get the next Kyle Hamilton to commit to you is going to be different. How can Notre Dame help cultivate the things that are needed to get those guys? And if they don't, then they don't. And that's fine if that's what they want. But we can't, we can't, and they can't expect Notre Dame to continue to compete for the playoffs and a national championship if that's the route they're going. Like it's fine if 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 the route that we that Brendan and I just the, the the very short bullet points about Carnell Tate, it's fine, but you can't expect to sign top five classes that way. How are uh, what are you going to offer? Just not gonna be able to. What are you going to offer Caleb Downs? Like what, what opportunities does Caleb Downs have to monetize uh, himself if he, if he comes to Notre Dame, right? I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the next Kyle Hamilton. You're talking about a five-star safety to come. Right. And even the guys that they have now, which I think is something that you have um, some thoughts on, but the, the class that they have now how do you keep the guys that you have now where you're, you're hearing from other staffs and they're like, look, if you come to our university, we can guarantee that, that you'll be able to monetize yourself to X amount of dollars. That's a guarantee. So if you can go to Notre Dame, certainly, and the degree is worth a lot and, and you'll be able to monetize yourself down the line if you're an all American, but like you could also go to, uh, you know, Ohio State, and we're going to lock it up to make sure that, um, you know, you get a deal with um, Quicken Mortgage, right? Because that's a that's a you know Cleveland uh, Cleveland institution, right, right, right. So you can get a deal with Quicken, and we'll ensure that you get 50k. Which, listen, 50k of income to a 18 year old kid is, I mean. Okay, I can go to Notre Dame, or I can get, or I can go to a comparable school, and also get this windfall early on. It just, it, they need to be doing more in in that aspect, and there needs, yeah, to, and, I, and I know they have a department set up for it, and I would like to know what sort of things that this department's doing, because from all that I can see, and from the message that they post to Carnell Tate, who is a guy that changes the fortune of Notre Dame recruiting, certainly, to get a, a wide receiver of his um, acumen. And, you know, that's a guy that doesn't normally come to Notre Dame. That's a guy that stays in state to go to Ohio State. So you have to to, to figure out ways to um, entice kids to, to come, leave their home states where they can get these deals. Well, Tate's Illinois down at IMG. Oh, right, right, right. But, I mean – Ohio I mean, is, oh, is the leader. Midwest. Right? Yeah, <laughs> the state school of the Midwest <laughs> in football. Yeah, it's a look. When all the when when Notre Dame kind of like had an announcement of like 
uh, of creating this NIL thing, right? Like, wasn't that a thing where there was this, these? I thought so. I mean, there was like a the offensive line had like a wet wipes, like a, a dude. I swear wipes. to God, it was there was a name to it, like the gold whatever. I swear there was something going on there, and so I may be way off base, but it just to to me and 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 to and to Brendan. It just feels like there's more that can be done and they're not doing it. And if you're not going to do it, then your expectations of what you can and can't do in recruiting are going to have to change. And that comes on the heels of getting a guy who's a dynamic recruiter like Marcus Freeman, right? Well, now he's He's hamstring. You're hamstringing a guy. Because no matter what, he still has to deal with someone saying, well, I'm getting $2 million from this school to go here. And how do you there, if there's, put, there's your no shoes, put yourself in the shoes of that kid? It's irresponsible right. for you not to take that, right? I've gone to school for three years to get into the NFL. They're going to offer me $2 million to come here to help me get to the NFL. It is. It, as Notre Dame fans, I know it's hard to imagine, but you have to step out of that of that golden dome bubble and look at it just from a business standpoint, as so many of these kids have been doing for for years now anyways. Yeah. And it's not a hard decision to make. And again, if 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 things if things aren't gonna change, then we can't expect Notre Dame to continue to compete in recruiting on that level. It's just, if you don't, it's like, you know, it's race, you know, it's being in a car race and you got a Chevette and they got an IROC. You know what I mean? Like, am I telling my age there with a Chevette and yeah, IROC? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like having a, uh, I was going to say Geo Metro. They don't even have those anymore. Uh, it's like, having <laughs> Uh, one of those cubed cars and a Corvette, you know, it's just, you're not Scion B, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the equipment to win the race. Well, and and it's, you can have the best driver in the world. And I like the upgrade in recruiter between Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman can, could not be more drastic. And it just, it seems like, you need to give him all of the tools that you can have and they need to be reaching out and getting these sort of opportunities set up for guys to come. I don't think Notre Dame is ever going to, um, nor should they roll out an $8 million red carpet for a single Hell player. No. I think Hell that that's no. absurd. And I think that that's going to bite Tennessee. In the for ass. guys, not even the number one quarterback in the, that is a that's such a tennessee move it's it's yeah it is a very tennessee move i mean it's it's <laughs> a fool and his money are soon parted and and that's what i'm saying the, about the market um you know right coming the to overall Earth. point is that is that the the upper echelon not, not even just the upper echelon schools that want to compete are have the alumni base and the boosters that are willing to do what's necessary. I don't think Notre Dame does. And there isn't any encouragement by the university that I can tell for that. And that's going to be a problem. 
don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying that is going to be a problem. Yeah. And again, it's, we are all used to the life we've been living under the, the regime of the NCAA and all their rules where that stuff was all supposed to be on the level. It is not anymore. And so now your expectations of what is or can be has to change unless you change the way you go about things. So how much is that on Notre Dame? Can Jack Swarbrick start getting on the phone? I mean, that's just, again, that's, that's such an awkward conversation, right? It's just not anything that's been in the DNA of Notre Dame. Look, even Michigan is, is closer in line to what Notre Dame is doing yeah. than what, than what is going on at like uh, LSU or Texas. Yeah, because Michigan, Michigan famously pushed back against some of the NIL stuff uh, right. last year. Yeah, you're. It's some of these. It's just. It's an awkward conversation to have. Like, if if you're uh, in the administration and or you're these big money boosters, you're used to your dollars going towards a brick and mortar building with your name on it, or buying or a, out a coach, or in a down because, position, or buying out a head coach, which is you're not used to your dollars going towards. Going towards picking, uh, you know, Jimmy Lee, you know, sophomore, soon to be junior, uh, five-star quarterback out in Idaho. You know what I mean? That, like, that, that just seems like a, wait a minute. I want, I want my, my building with my name. On it. <laughs> not, I, want, I uh, want the head, not coach this recruiting to, class, I want the head coach to have my name as his title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, it's just, it's a whole nother conversation and it's just, it's awkward as hell. I mean, it's, it's difficult to even, it's, it is difficult to even talk about uh, on this podcast about it because number one, Brennan and I have no idea what conversations Jack Swarbrick uh, and father Jenkins and even Marcus Freeman or Brian Kelly before him have had with alumni and alumni donors and boosters. Yeah. Like anything to that effect of a, coll- of a collective or anything like that. I can be confident enough to say there probably hasn't been a whole lot. And for a reason, because that's just not been a thing. Whereas other places it is. So I think the broader thing is here is like, unless Notre Dame does some nudging, like Mick Asaf's Irish players club is not going to be the thing that's going <laughs> to, no, it's going to, it's going to pick up some bar taps. Throughout right. the throughout the off season, um, not enough in this in under our current situation. And it, look, it may not sting Notre Dame for a few more years. Oh, I think it, it, I think this year is going to be well. This year, and next year, I think are going to be two years where it could sting them really hard. And people, you know, hey, a lot of fans right now that they, they don't want to hear it. Notre Dame's got the number one recruiting class in the country right now. They do, but I've been telling you guys in the DMs. Watch out for a number 11 finish because you'd be stupid for you'd be stupid. If you were a kid who hasn't signed a national letter of intent to not listen to somebody with a bag full of money, right? Totally legal and say, let me, let me, let me just, let me just show you the opportunity here. I can't fault them. And one thing the university can do is not even just the boosters and the alumni, but finding opportunities and for uh, local businesses and local corporations to get that kind of stuff there. Like, yeah, 
Like Papa John's? Like Papa John's, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they could all run a franchise. You know, they will run franchises. I mean, they're running franchises still in Russia. So Papa John's, will, they're, they're, they're running franchises wherever. I mean, they'll run a franchise where human atrocities are being committed. Why not? Uh, I mean, there, yes, I, I think that was a good point you just made, though, is that Notre Dame, not just the alumni or the fans or, you know, all that. There, there can be a reach to, to the broader community, business community, uh, for like a hey. Where know. is if if I'm Under Armour, and Notre Dame is my biggest brand? Is is Notre Dame the biggest brand Under Armour has right now? I think so. I mean, I, yeah, yes, absolutely. So if I I'm mean, under, you, you can, I I'm, mean, you could throw around an Auburn or whatnot, but I mean, it's, it's it it still is Notre Dame. If I'm if I'm Notre Dame, I'm reaching out to Under Armour and I'm trying to be like, hey, guys, um, you know. Who has invested business interest, right? With yeah. all that stack. Why don't you why don't you pay some of these guys who are repping your gear? And maybe when it comes combine time, they'll wear your shoes instead of Nike shoes when they run their their 40s. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's an argument that can be made that if Kyle Hamilton wore Under Armour cleats instead of Nike cleats at the combine, that he runs he straight. Runs straight, yeah. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's it's an instance where how often are you running straight towards a player? I mean, when look at his line on that Florida State pick, that was not a straight line. I mean, he was no, no, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. I, look, I mean, the apparel companies are a great point too. Like, we haven't seen them involved. No, in this I, yet. That, and like, that's the big, I think Nike wants nothing thing. to do with it because of how many schools they have. And if Nike's not going to get involved, Adidas ain't going to follow, you know, it, honestly, Under Armour is kind of like ripe for the picking, right? Because right? like yeah. they're still trying to they're trying okay. to recover. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to recover, like being like knocked down a peg or two. Oh, they had a brutal. It was, well, 2017, 18. They had a brutal year. And uh, that's when they dropped oh, UCLA. Nine, and I think, well, it was a 19. Or was, was it 19? Yeah, 19. I yeah. think it might have been 19. But yeah, UCLA got dropped. And then uh, they had a lot of different issues with some. Um, so, I mean, uh, BC left. Yeah. yeah B, I mean, BC left all that. For New so, Balance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but for them to, to kind of like re- kind of reestablish themselves as the third I mean, I don't think anyone else is going to take Under Armour's place as the third spot. But like to be still talked about in the same, be viewed as the same as Adidas and Nike, maybe this is an opportunity for them. But again, maybe they see as much, maybe they see more than two schools as a problem. Like Nike, just they can't. Well, Nike they, also they has a make, problem where like if you're Phil Knight. I mean, how much do you want to to help push other schools that aren't Oregon, right? <laughs> right, right. Like, like I love all you schools wearing these clothes, but I don't want to give your star players. <laughs> I don't want to give your alumni money to get a recruit to go to those schools. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different than the. It's just different. So I don't know. I mean. I think there's these are just going to be more conversations that we have. It's, it's not a fun one, and it's just it's one that's full of 
No, it's not. It's, a, it's, not it's fun. full of sad. It's like it's a sad conversation to have because the vibes are so good. Like, wasn't Notre Dame around this time last year? Like the first or third ranked recruiting class, and then it just. But I don't think that they had the sort of volume of top end guys, especially right, right. Um, you know, defensively. But you know, it's all hands on deck on keeping this offensive class together, or defensive class. Right, together. and it's just it's defensive class together, and it, it's just, it's I mean, different. Looking at you, Keon or, Keely, right? Yeah, like taking all these visits. How many of those visits do you think are going to include uh, an NIL meeting? Oh yeah, that and like is more than just more than just we're going to help you make your your Twitter dope. So maybe if you and do, something, are they going to make, make your Twitter dope? Because I mean, look at the number of followers that like Ohio State players have compared to Notre Dame players. I mean, it is you know Chris Olave's got like a million, and then Kyle yeah. Hamilton had like a fraction of that. Um, yeah, but like. You're telling me the Texas schools aren't going to come hard after Peyton Bowen? Right. That's what, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just, I mean, so you're not only like with, with these kids, with these committed kids, not only of well, they're taking visits, are you trying to like stack yourself up against them on the field and in the classroom? But now you're bringing dollars into it and there are none coming from your side. Right. So that's an issue. Because not every not every recruit that you think is not every recruit's going to think like you and like oh they should just be happy about going to school and and getting an education that's just not how it works for every recruit out there. And some and of so, them will. I mean, and, and a lot of, and a lot of the ones that don't work for are the ones that are are the five star players that you want to get. So. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at Hyperice.com. Just saying... Brendan and I are just saying Drake Bowen is going to be there forever. And Drake Bowen would have committed to anyone. He would have committed to, I mean, he's, he's all in Notre Dame. Yeah. But then I I mean, there's other guys that, that you need to look, there's an argument. There's an argument to be made too, that like the inclusion of all this, all this money and all this, you know, professionalism into college athletics could be a detriment to the teams themselves and the programs because like Saban probably ain't too down with some of this shit. No. Like, and if like, I'm Saban, I'm not down with it either because yeah. I <laughs> like what this goes sort of locker room your... culture does that like if you're Tennessee exactly. and you're paying a kid $8 million to be your quarterback, who's never taken a collegiate snap, like there is pressure to play the kid. Right. 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 And uh, you're like, locked into totally... it. They're telling like you're gonna tell Saban who to play, honestly. Right, but but I mean not tell, only that. You tell Saban who to play. 
but you just signed a freshman quarterback to play for you who's contractually obligated to play for four years. Right. Uh, and you're paying him $8 million. What does your 2023 quarterback recruiting class look like? What is your 2024 recruiting class quarterback right. recruiting class look like? Because the guy, they're already paying a guy $8 million. Are they going to do it again? To be there. Are they going to do it in 2024? Uh, are they going to do it in 2025? Uh, are they going to keep paying? No, you're they're not setting gonna... the market price. Yeah. You can't location. keep doing that. And, and if you're a, a four or five star quarterback, you're not going to go to Tennessee because you know, this guy's locked in for the next four years and they're not going to, they're not going to not play the guy they're paying. So this is what I mean about the market correcting itself. Like Tennessee, enjoy your $8 million quarterback. But like if he gets hurt or flames right. out, good luck. And I think that's, a, I think that's our overall view from you and I is that, we want Notre Dame to do more, but I think both you and I also understand that there is a, there is a locker room component. There is a roster component. There's, there's a lot of stuff that get involved there. When you start throwing all this money and these different moving like guys that should not be somewhere, but they're there just because of the money that creates problems. And that's so, why I like the Texas thing because where they have just the offensive lineman make a flat 50. Yeah. It, it just makes sense because it's like, yeah, these kids are providing the university an immeasurable amount of value, and they should be probably being they should they should be able to cash in on that. And it's not an exorbitant amount of money, but like everybody's getting it, and it's just it just makes sense. And I think Notre Dame should have similar things in place, and they don't. Right. I hope that makes sense to everybody out there. But we are, I. There is a, it is going to be bad for recruiting if Notre Dame doesn't, if, and again, I say Notre Dame as a collective of school alumni and boosters, if Notre Dame doesn't increase what they're doing in the NIL market, but we're also keeping an eye on how is this going to work overall across the country for teams when the professional the professionalization of each team and of the sport starts to make those professional problems with guys being in places they shouldn't be or locked in. Like, yeah, yeah the transfer portal's there, right? But if you sign a four-year contract, that is a monetary, that is a real-world uh, <laughs> contract, lawyers and all, that you can't flash the tra- transfer for- portal at them. You know, there's there's all sorts of things that can make this go haywire. So I am not – look, I'm not even – I'm not even against being wrong. Like maybe Notre Dame's doing it right by being out of there. Cause they see a future in three years where it's just, it's so fucked up and crazy because of all this stuff that it caused dumpster fires everywhere. And they're sitting in their lane. I hey, look, I can accept that that could be a reality. I think that everyone will start correcting themselves as that goes along as well. But right now, as we look at it, Notre Dame recruiting, just to say this 2023 class, 2024 class, which they just did the whole pot of gold thing with. If they don't do more to to uh, cultivate a better NIL system and program, then they are going to lose out on a lot of recruits that maybe they could have got. And that's going to be obviously a detriment to their production later down the road. See, it's complicated, man, because so we can't predict the future. 
Kim, I don't fucking know what's going to happen. But I mean, I do know Green Bay traded Devonta Adams. They sure did. <laughs> and, uh, and EQ and Rodgers has got Brown. a four-year extension. EQ St. Brown <laughs> took his talents to uh, Chicago Bears. So yeah, I <laughs> I know Tom Brady ain't dead yet. <laughs> no, jeez, jeez, that, Lou, that's uh, how much does Tom Brady hate his family? I, I mean, how much, does, how much does his wife – yeah, he just hates being around his wife. He doesn't hate his family because I watch him open-mouth kiss his children. So, <laughs> like a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> like someone who played football. For the University, for the of, University Michigan. of Michigan. <laughs> it was ran out of the, the institution because they all wanted Drew Henson. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. tell a Michigan fan that, but like every Michigan fan who tries to claim every single one, Tom Brady me. is being, you know, a Michigan man. They I, all wanted him gone, and that's when I was living in Ipsy. Oh, so they all, it, was, it was all in on Drew Henson. Like I, I drank beers with the with the man. Those guys wanted him. The team wanted him. Everybody, fans, everybody. Nobody, nobody liked Tom Brady. Nobody liked Tom Brady. <laughs> I think it's great that he gave the ultimate fuck you. And then has continued that for like 30 years. Yeah, basically so. is like 30 years. He's going to be like LeBron where he's going to retire after he's played a season with his kid. <laughs> I mean, if you can get away, I just, I got it. Can you imagine? Hasn't, that, I know have, baseball's done it, right? Cause you know, Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. Right. Um, hockey's done it. Um, you know, Gordy Howe played with Mark Howe and his kids. Uh, has a football player ever played with one of his kids? And how old are Tom Brady's kids? And like, is it possible? I just don't. How? And I guess that that's the thing too, right? It's like, how fucked up? What if something happens to you? Tom Brady's was retired and healthy yeah. and rich, very rich, very, after and he long, has all of the rings. Listen, after a long career with all the rings, all the accolades and in goat conversation, not oh, even, I, th- I don't, I don't even think like, it was a conversation. Like considered I, goat goat. Yeah. You're goat. You are goat. Yeah. You are goat. You have the rings, you have the money, you have the stats, you have all of it. Yeah. Everything. And you're going to come back and you retired. You did the right thing. You're going to come back for another year yeah. and risk having your leg turn into a Joe Theismann. Theismann yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, like, I would never try to really help a, a Michigan alum out. But like, I, I, dude, really? Like, have you talked about this with anybody? I just, I just, I don't see the, Look, I get competitive, being competitive, and and I think I think after a certain point, and that you know he's for his longevity, there comes a certain point where like you have that invincibility factor, and you're just going out. You just, you you can't turn it off. You can't turn that switch off. Maybe that's what happened. I mean, maybe you just can't turn that switch off. Uh, but like a guy coming off the edge on a blindside blitz can, can do it pretty damn quick. And those and old bones, like those old bones. You don't like, yeah, Brady don't like to get touched. 
is Tom Brady Tom Brady's older than you are, right? Yes. Can you imagine yourself like going back in the NFL? Are you fucking kidding me? I could barely look. I coach my son's little league team, and I'm hurting after practice. You know what I'm saying? You get down there and you start like catching some BP. Ugh, dude, I I took the boys down for batting practice uh, the other day, and you know it was nice out, and it, we we haven't started practice with the, with the teams yet. We just got them drafted and all that, and so I took both both my boys down to the down to the park do some hitting Ryan. We're working on Ryan to be a pitcher. Dylan's we're working on Dylan to be a catcher. And it's just lo and behold, two of the kids that I drafted a couple of brothers, which I got three sets of brothers on my team, by the way, but a couple of brothers were down there with their mom and they're like, Oh, Hey, can they, I'm like, heck yeah. You know, we might as well have a half into impromptu practice. By the time that practice is over with my arm was jelly. I couldn't throw a strike to save my fucking life. And this was just batting practice throwing. Yeah. Just throwing BP. Ugh. <laughs> like my, my Tom son, Brady's Ryan out there. At, Tom Brady's out there. Ryan was going to be like, I was an asshole. Cause I kept throwing him at his head. Like, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get over the plate. He's like, dad. <laughs> like, well, this is just teach you to get the hell off the plate. <laughs> Give me some chin music. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine it. Can't even imagine. Yeah. So the NFL season. Ugh. Whatever, dude. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, shoot. So. I just. I, that's insane to think about. Yeah, he is older than me. Oof. I don't. When, when Bo jumps on top of me. When Bo Bow Wower jumps on top of me on the couch. I can feel it. And he's got 300 pound, like brick houses coming down on him. Just, you know, I used to make fun of Brady for, for, you know, whining to the refs about, about the hits and all that stuff, but I get it. (laughs) (laughs) You take a few hits from a, you take a couple of hits from a dachshund and you get it. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta do, you gotta do what you gotta do. You know, know, you're in your, you're in your early forties. You take a few hits from some, from a dachshund. You understand where Don Brady's coming from. Oh, Hey, I was speaking of uh, professional greatness. I, I was, I, I was meaning to ask you this. And this was brought up in the, in the press conference with, with Freeman. What do you think this whole Jerome Bettis situation? I don't understand. And, and, to, and to learn that it's like 30 minutes to two hours. Like, did he say every day? Yeah, it's, I don't, uh, so I, I guess I don't understand what Jerome Bettis is like. So Jerome Bettis retired from football in 2005. What, what sort of connection do any of these kids have to Jerome Bettis as a football player? And, and believe me, Jerome Bettis, the last two years, let's be three years of his Steelers career. He was a he was not a running back, right? He was a goal line fullback. Like I I don't understand. I don't understand where he looked like an offensive lineman, like gut and all. I I, I just don't <laughs> I don't understand what Jerome Bradis is bringing to the table 
for so for o, like, 05 was his last season, right? Yeah, and they won a Super Bowl so 50, in Detroit and walked away, which was a storybook ending to win it in your hometown. So fifteen. Let's just let's just say fifteen years. So freshman, my freshman year in college was in was in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. So fifteen years prior, let's just say nineteen eighty. So how much as a freshman nineteen? Who was a freshman at Notre Dame and or uh, who was a stud at Notre Dame in 19, 1980? Um, or, who was a who was a who was a Notre Dame pro who was done in nineteen eighty? That's what I'm saying. Who is a Notre Dame I, pro who was done? Like, I mean. I mean, you're having to go back to like guys who played in the fifties and sixties, right? I mean, I, I, I guess all I'm saying is that like anybody who was a, who was a, an all pro all world player in the NFL and their last year was 1980. Their effect on me in 1996. Not existent. Is non I'm sorry. That's just, I mean, it just that is what it is. That's just such a huge gap. Do you have like big memories of like but, Rocky Blyer but, or something? <laughs> no, and but I mean that's not to say like it's not Jerome Bettis just isn't a normal isn't just some random NFL guy either, right? No, but at this point, like what if what if Terry Hanratty was talking to you it, when when you were like in nineteen eighty, right? What? I would, <laughs> I would hope he would have a drink in hand, but it just, I, I guess the thing with Bettis is it's more of a, so it's more of a institutional knowledge thing, right? Like this is a guy who is regardless of the difference in time frames, has been through the process at, at Notre Dame. He, he went to the, he went through a big recruiting process as a top prospect. He w- went to Notre Dame Went to the NFL, went through all those years in the NFL. He's a guy who has a lot of knowledge about the sport from high school through the pros. And he's a guy that, that you know, and has, has been successful in all those levels. So to that end, he's very useful in a sense. I think it's he's very useful in that sense, but yet it's overblown because of our memories. Right. That's that's my point. Jerome Bettis. Is it's like it's so, old millennials and but, Gen Xers. And but I guess obviously I'm just curious is like stuff. how much of Marcus Freeman's daily brain picking of Jerome Bettis, what is that really for? Like how I, it made it look, maybe it's just a friendship and it's just like, you know, just someone to like help you along your, I don't know. I mean, that nothing wrong with that either. Like at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shit. Moose had uh, the captain, uh, <laughs> you know, or the or that cap, the colonel, the whole time. So I mean, I'm just saying, like someone else who's there to like to bounce some ideas and things off of. I get that. So if you if you if you have a kinship there, okay. But it just it seems odd as a big promotional thing, and I understand the question. Mean, the question was perfectly fine, um, but I guess I wasn't expecting that. that the contact has been that much. Right. That I'm, seems like, why is that? Why is that? So Brady Quinn still had a season left to play for Notre Dame by the time that Jerome Bettis retired from football. Yeah. 
so, <laughs> I, I mean, right? That's that's absurd. Yeah, I, I, it's just. It's, I, I get I mean, bringing them in. It's cool. In like, like I said, it's cool. It's cool. It's but, a cool thing to promote. But I just I it's I think it's more of a promotion for their for us as fans. I that's where in the parents of players than anything else than it is yeah. for like if you're if you're an 18 19 but 20, like nobody on Notre Dame's roster watched Jerome Bettis play a single snap of football not cognizantly right they don't remember Jerome Bettis playing any football at any point in their you know I mean, unless they were like your parents were season ticket holders and you were going to Steelers games at age three. Yeah. <laughs> and But even at age three, you're not – I don't remember watching – I don't remember anything about football when I was three. I know I, I don't remember anything about football until like maybe seven. nine or ten. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. For me, it was, it was 93 for me. It was my first year of like cognizant football memory. Uh, he was already graduating. Yeah, so I just <laughs> – like, my, my bigger question – my bigger overall question is just what is what is Freeman and what is the need of Freeman to talk to Bettis that much? And if it's just because it's a friendship, that's fine. Yeah. And, if, and because he's such a high profile guy, it's just it's it's I, high pro, I'm it's all for having friendship. high profile guys on campus and involved. In, well, in you know, what? now stuff. now that you say it, there's probably been someone screaming. That's actually that actually was brought up there. I think it and we heard about that um a couple months ago, right? Where there was it didn't seem like Kelly I guess like older players out. yeah to reach out to the to the alumni to bring them back. And we've kind of felt so in that sense, I know that that was what um was mentioned, like you know. To, to reach out to the older guys, to bring them back, to be a part of the program. So, I mean, I don't know how much time needs to be devoted to that. Um, but that, I mean, that is important. I mean, that, that honestly is an important part of every college football program. Uh, unless you're Miami, where the alumni just become a problem because they're just cussing you out for not being as good as they were. <laughs> or LSU, when the alumni show up, after you win a national title and start handing your players just make it cash. A <laughs> <laughs> so here you go. Here you go, young blood. Um, so, you know, that is important. And so, and Bettis being as high profile as he is and his ties to, you know, to the older guys. I mean, that, like, that makes, I mean, like, yeah, but I mean, I guess personally, I I just, I never saw much of a that being much of an issue. I didn't know that was an issue for as much for as many times as you would see older players, older alumni being at the games. Like they're everywhere. They're they're, they're all the tailgates. Just our own Lisa Kelly. Just ask her. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're all over the place. But I think what became a problem is that they weren't treated. They haven't been treated as as the uh, as the conquering the that they fought. The conquering warriors that they were. Yeah. I, I, and that is a problem. Like, no, that they, was one of the things that, that Pete Carroll did really good at USC yes, is yes. his sidelines were always chock full of, um, you know, alumnus and famous people who were Snoop. Of, yeah. Snoop and <laughs> yeah. Will Ferrell. Well, I mean, I don't really care if Vince Vaughn's ever on the sideline. Nick Lachey. I don't, 
And I, and John Bon Jovi, I love you. I don't care if he's on the sidelines, but I mean, I do care that if a, if a guy who, you know, a conquering warrior wants to come back, that was on the 96 team. And, you know, he should be able to come back, get that side, be on the sidelines, be in, you know, but you know, there's a lot of guys I'm sure maybe there's a lot of requests. That's a hard thing to, to manage. Cause you can't, you can't overdo it. Right. Brian Kelly did it, but he just hired them to be positional coaches that refused to request looking at you, Todd light and Autry Denson. <laughs> so I don't know. I was just, I, it was interesting to find out actually how much they talk. Like I had never any doubt that, they, that, that, you know, they've gotten together and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that seemed like a lot. And I was curious about how that was, how deep that was going. So maybe the jokes on me, maybe there was more to the, to the press conference than, than I was leading on. There was judging by the pod. There's a lot of meat on the bone, <laughs> but I mean, if you got a bone to, to quote Carl Weathers in Arrested development, if you got a bone, maybe you make a stew. stew. There doesn't need to be any bone for us to make a stew, man. <laughs> yeah i don't know it's uh it's something else all right we gotta start wrapping this up a little bit um Notre Dame's women will be playing tonight or today i'm not sure i, I don't have the time in front of me but if you're listening to this on saturday uh Notre Dame's women's basketball team is going to be starting their ncaa tournament so that's all good and of course Notre Dame was men's basketball team will be playing texas tech on sunday Pay attention to college hockey if you're a college hockey fan this weekend. It's important. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be wearing my home field Minnesota Go- Golden Gophers hockey T-shirt uh, at some point this weekend. Uh, I believe Saturday as they take on Michigan. Fuck Michigan. Um, and, but then, uh, you know, come Sunday night, we'll have the pairwise rankings pretty much all finalized. And we'll kind of we'll kind of know where Notre Dame is going to be sitting at in the uh, NCAA hockey tournament. So did they light up? There's, did they light up Grace uh, Hall, by the way, for the baseball team? They did. They did. Okay. Number one, number one baseball team who lost the, uh, today, Friday to, uh, to, uh, Louisville, uh, Whoa. 16 to 11, it was a bad game. Uh, but nonetheless, learning baseball, having a, having a good season. And again, I, I, I went on an ACC podcast, uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, I told them I felt like I was like a shill for the university uh, after or during the podcast because I had promoted it so much. I'm like, look, baseball games and softball games are free. If you're in the South Bend area, once they start playing ball uh, up there, it's free. You go there. It, it's absolutely free to go in and, and watch yourself uh, uh, some ball. And with Notre Dame, you're going to be watching one of the best baseball teams in the country. And before the uh, MLB and the players union <laughs> finally decided that they were going to stop being ridiculous, uh, you know, hey, that could be the only the best baseball you've seen. Uh, so, yeah, catch them up. It's a it's a fun nutty time right now. So I mean, I can't wait for the hockey tournament. Cannot wait. Um, and I am praying we catch Michigan in the NCAA Is that tournament. Fifth win? Get that fifth one. That is so. I want that. I want that. That 
that tournament game did not that did not sit well with me. You know what else didn't sit well with me? The fact that these fucking idiot Michigan, I, I think they're students, freshmen and sophomores, had no fucking idea why I was so disgusted with the name Yoast. Of course like, they, they had that. They, they had that children of Yoast banner, and I tweeted out like. That is like one of the grossest, most racist, blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't get this. We've been texting back and forth. Like, you can't fucking Google the word Yoast. You can't find <laughs> out that the man is the son of a Confederate soldier and likely owned slaves. Like, And was a bigot you know towards Catholics and refused to allow uh, Michigan to play in, in – willingly let Michigan not play in stadiums that didn't allow for, for black players and didn't let your black players travel. Like the, the, the university was, itself is, is, is still putting the name on the chopping block for the ice arena. And like, ab, the abhorrent individual, one of the worst uh, <laughs> members of any athletic department of a Northern school. No, but just the, <laughs> just to know that like a, a place like Michigan who, I know you'll agree with me on this is like their, their student, their, their student body have some of the most woke. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. In the entire big 10. Uh, for them to not want to cancel Yoast is the, is the funny thing for me or to not even know about it. Like for, I, it just, it kind of, it just, it cracked me up. Like they the kicked out, they of, kicked out of a, one of the greatest, um, <laughs> Uh, composers in the United States, um, I believe he's a Chinese American guy because he showed, um, you know, Shakespeare's Othello, uh, the um, the one that had with um, uh, it was done in who was it? It was um, shoot, um, Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan uh, McGregor. No, the original Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Alec Guinness. Uh, uh, Alec Guinness, yeah. And he played, you know, Othello, which if if you've ever read the play, um, uh, uh, he did it in blackface. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it was it was, you know, Shakespearean work of the time. And he played it and he, he made a big deal of like, you know, he taught about it. He canceled and kicked this guy out. And he's one of the greatest, you know, he's a Chinese American guy. And he, he's just playing like what's considered a, a piece of fine art. And they kicked him out. And then they, at the same time, they have this like love affair with this man in Fielding Yost that is one of the most grossest and awful human beings as far as like, like an abhorrent racist. And that's fine. Just the hypocrisy of Michigan is unconscionable. Stellar. Stellar. Oh, shit. Well, Brendan, I think we did our job tonight. Yeah, we by our job, I mean, we talked about uh, the NIL stuff. Yeah, it probably left 90 percent of the people confused as shit, just as confused as we are about it. That's NIL, baby. <laughs> to, uh, to, to quote Will Smith, wiki, 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 wild, wiki, wiki, wild, wild, wiki, wiki, wild, wild west. <laughs> Where are the robot spiders? I don't know, but we need more of them. <laughs> uh, shoot. You got anything left in the tank there, sir? No, I think uh, I've hit on all the – we had a gentleman's conversation about the spring. We talked to NIL, and we uh, shit-talked Michigan. I'm, I'm, I'm good. 
right. Yeah. I see. I, we healthy basketball, healthy basketball discussion too. Healthy bells, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could have gone on, but I didn't. I I did not want this to be a, a two and a half, three hour podcast. Much yeah. to, I mean, we could have talked about the grittiness been. of Atkins, who I think has been uh, <laughs> extremely gritty and instrumental in both wins. But uh, we didn't. We did a good job. Yep, that was pretty solid. So just a reminder, everybody, get over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. All the reviews that you leave, we will read on the next OFD podcast. And so that's it. All the good stuff coming. More NCAA tournament action. Going to have another OTR soon. A special one for that. And the OFD podcast will keep kicking. Hopefully uh, the three of us will be back together for the next round. Um, where Jude can correct us on all our NIL mistakes, um, <laughs> which I have no doubt uh, we made. Because <laughs> it's just it's so wild. Unquestionably, yeah. Yeah, without there is there is no hill that we're going to die on with that. It's just like, a, okay, <laughs> I'm going to sidestep this. Uh, so, for Brendan and myself, have a good weekend. Go Irish.